In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Church has many services for the healing of sicknesses. We have, obviously, the service of Holy Unction, but you can even go to the priest and just ask him to read you prayers for sickness. Holy water also heals sicknesses. Even to be anointed with the oil that we did before for the, for the, for the saint, we receive healing. That's why we go to monasteries and they, we can get some oil that's been either in an oil lamp in front of the saint's icon or his relics or her relics or that has been blessed during the five lives like we did today. Also, there is healing that we can receive when we confess our sins, because a lot of times a lot of our sicknesses are because of our sins. But also we receive healing when we partake of the holy body and blood of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with seeking healing. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that there are other types of sicknesses as well. So we understand that there's physical sicknesses and we understand that there are mental sicknesses and the church has those prayers and can help. But there's also another type of sickness, which is spiritual sickness, which people tend to forget about. But I'll come back to that in a minute. The problem there now, we go back to the first two, which is mental illness and physical illness. Does that mean if the church offers healing, does that mean that we don't go to doctors? Now, that attitude is incorrect. God gave the doctors, as long as what they are doing is according to God's commandments and not doing something like some magical thing or something. So God has given us the doctors and God wants us to go to the doctors. So then we ask, if we go to the doctor, then why do we go to the church? And the answer to that is simple. We do both. Usually, we come to the church first, especially for a serious sickness, and then... Once we receive all the prayers, the blessings, whatever we can receive from the church, we then proceed to the doctors, whether you're going to have an operation or other tests, etc. So we do not say that when you come to the church that that means that we don't go to the doctors. Now, some of you have read in the lives of saints that they didn't go to doctors. For example, in the Greek life of saints, during the time of the Turkish occupation, uh, the people did not go to doctors. The Greeks did not go to doctors. They went to the priest. They went, they, they went to the priest for all sicknesses, they all, whether mental or physical. They also went to the priest if their animals were sick, so they didn't go to vets. And also if they had problems with their crops diseases, etc., they again would go to the priest. 
So does that contradict what I said earlier, that we should go to the doctors and other people that God has given us? It's not contradictory. What happened was that the Turks, during that time, did not allow Greeks to study. And therefore, a lot of times, or if they did study over outside of the, of the um, Turkish occupation, they went to Italy and Europe and studied, or Russia, a lot of times there were villages that just didn't have any doctors. There wasn't enough of them. And therefore, the priest became the doctor of everything for the actual village. And we read in the lives of saints that miracles occurred. Even the Turks themselves used to go to the Orthodox monasteries, the Orthodox clergy, for healing because their own people there couldn't heal. So they would go, especially they loved St. George, they venerated the Mother of God, and they would often go to Orthodox clergy, and the clergy would read the gospel over their heads, and a lot of times they would be healed. A lot of the Turks, for example, couldn't have children, and they would run to the Orthodox monasteries and do prayers there. When they would get answers to their prayers, then they would also give great donations to those churches, monasteries, and would also protect them, not to allow them to be destroyed like, they, like the Turks would do often. So that's a little bit of a history there. But today we're not living in those times and we have doctors. If someone reads the life of saint and says, I'm going to do what they did in those days, I'm going to stay home and just pray to God, what happens is that they fall into pride. They fall into pride because they think that their prayers are so great that they don't need doctors. And the devil then begins to play games. Now you might say, how does the devil play games if he's evil? Well, he plays evil games. So what he can do is he can make someone sick, as we read again in the Holy Fathers, that there are some sicknesses which appear physical, but they're not. Or they can appear mental, but they're not. They're actually demonic. They could be from some sorcery. They could be anything, with God's permission. And what he does is he makes the person to think that they're going to the church or praying at home, and they get healed. But it, what, they didn't really get healed. The devil stopped torturing them since he was the one who started the sickness in the first place. And all people go to these fortune tellers or people that read people certain prayers, supposedly because they've got icons in their office, it means that they're religious when they're not. St John Chrysostom says you should hate those people because they use religion as a disguise to destroy people's souls. You never go there. And we have many, many examples from our lives of saints, the Orthodox lives of saints, in which the demons did trick people. So we do both. We go to the church and we go to the doctors. We don't go to the magicians, to the fortune tellers, to card readers, 
and all these other evil people who do these evil things. So let's, I must emphasize that there are sometimes mental problems or physical problems that are demonic. They're not necessarily normal illness. But it's very hard to discern. In other words, it's hard to know. Even when you go to a priest and you ask the priest, it's sometimes very difficult for the priest to know. Some holy elders and eldresses had that gift of clairvoyance and they could tell, but that's exceptional. We don't have those people here in Australia. They do exist in Greece and Russia and other holy places, but not here. So what do we do? What does the priest do when someone comes? It doesn't matter. You just go on and you do your work, your spiritual work. If someone comes to me and says, I've got this, maybe it's demonic, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, I say, it doesn't matter what it's from. Let's start the work. Number one, have you ever confessed? No, you have to confess. Or, yes, I have confessed, but have you confessed everything? No, there's some things I'm embarrassed of. You've got to get rid of all those things. You must remove all the sins from your soul. But I'm embarrassed of the priest. The priest most of the time forgets. I know from myself, when I used to do confession, after that, I, I don't know how it happened, but it just went away. I forgot what the person said. That's a great mystery. And therefore, because we're not confessing to the priest, we are confessing to God through the priest. So that has to be over and done with. And then we have to see whether in our lives there's anything which is causing us to have problems. Are we doing some sins? As it said in the, in the service today, even adultery or other sexual things or even things that seem innocent could be something which is causing us to be sick. So whether it's a true physical illness or mental illness or whether it's demonic, it will all come out if one begins to do what the church requires. Does that mean you don't go to a psychiatrist? If need be, you go. But at the same time, you must come to the church and be read. And a lot of times, a lot of mental illnesses go away because they come from sin or some demonic type of thing. Now, the other sickness which we don't think about which maybe if not many of you here are for that reason. You're here for physical reasons, for mental reasons, etc., which is good. But you're not here for another reason, which we often forget, and that's spiritual sickness. And what's spiritual sickness? Are the passions. What are the passions? When we hate someone, that's a passion. When we have jealousy for someone, that's a passion. When we judge someone, that's a passion. When we think about money, money, money continually, we don't care about anything else, that's a passion. When we're lazy, that's a passion. When we are proudful, that's a passion. When we love to show off, that's a passion. These are passions and these are sicknesses. The Orthodox Church emphasises that the purpose of the Church is not just to heal physical and mental illnesses that may occur, we see in the life of Christ that when we read the gospel, when we read the Bible, we see 
that he did heal, but he didn't heal everyone. The, what he did most of all was to bring people close to God. Why did he heal that person, but he didn't heal the other person? Because he knows who is to be healed and who is not. The majority of people that were sick in those times were not healed. Why? Because God knows, as I said, who is to be healed and who is not, whether it's beneficial for that person to be healed. Now, some of you come today and have serious sicknesses and you've come to be healed. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if you don't get healed and if the doctors can't help you and you have to remain with the sickness, then we have to accept that as being something which is for our benefit. God gives us physical sicknesses. He gives us mental sicknesses for a reason. If he didn't give us sicknesses, then no one would really turn to him. As, the, as all the saints, whether Russian saints, Greek saints, Serbian saints, all the saints of the Orthodox Church all say the same thing. If God didn't visit us out of his love and give us sufferings, then no one would be saved at all. So therefore, it is beneficial for us, and that's why the saints would often pray and ask God to give them sicknesses. Now, you might ask, does that mean that we should ask for sicknesses? No. They are progressed, and when they ask for sicknesses, they didn't later on blaspheme. If we were to ask for sicknesses, then as soon as we would get sick, we could start blaspheming and swearing and going against God and saying, why am I sick? So you don't ask. That's why we say, our Father who art in the heavens, and lead us not into temptation. Every day in the morning prayers and the night prayers, we're continually asking God to give us healing of body and soul. Now, there's one thing that God may allow some mental illness to remain, and he may allow physical sickness to that. That might be his will. But what's not his will is to have spiritual sicknesses. God does not want someone to remain with passions. He doesn't want us to continue in our life hating or being jealous or being envious or not forgiving, which is the cause of a lot of marriage breakups or fault finding. All these spiritual sicknesses need healing. So, in summary, Mental illness and physical illness and even demonic possession at times or demonic influence. There are some people who lead pious lives, but they've got some demonic problem, which is there for some reason. Not necessarily that, that it it's, um, could be their fault from their past sins. But even those things are beneficial. And a person, we have even saints, like St. Paul himself, he said that he was given by God a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. God allowed St. Paul to be tormented by demon, from a demon. What that exact torment was, we don't know. But he was tormented. And he said that 
God did that out of his love to protect him because St. Paul had seen so many visions, he had done so much great work that there was fear that he could fall into pride and God, to protect him, allowed him to be tortured. And the other apostles, God allowed them to be persecuted, God allowed them to be sick, God allowed them to be tortured, etc., I even read a Greek saint from, the, from an island there in, in Greece who every couple of years, this is a few hundred years ago, but every couple of years he would go through some type of mental crisis, some type of problem, which, and he was holy. And he would lose himself com- com- completely. He would become very aggressive and quite what we would call ill, mentally. Why that was allowed? God allowed that, and he was, and he's recognised as a saint. See, the trouble with us is that what is good we think is bad, and what is bad we think is good. It's good to be proud. It's good to be strong. It's good to let no one push us around. It's good to boast and to say how great we are. No, that's not good. That's the worst. And others say, no, it's no good to be sick. It's no good to be weak. But St. Paul says, in my weakness, I am made strong. The more God allowed St. Paul to be weak, sick, and tormented by demons and to be persecuted, etc., the more God made him suffer, the holier he became. In other words, without suffering, there is no salvation. And we have to remember that. And that's why when I read the lives of saints, and I'm sure a lot of you do, you make note where it says there that the saint, even St. John of Cronstant, because of the great miracles that he did, such a great saint at his time, whoever he prayed for, a lot of times that person would feel benefit. We know that, a lot of you, because you're Russian, you understand who St. John of Cronstant is. At the end of his life... He became very sick. And if I remember right, he couldn't breathe. He was being tortured. And during that time, he said, thank you, God, for giving me this to cleanse me before my death. So that's how the saints think. So who are we then to say, why, why, why are we sick? Why this, why that? So sickness, suffering, is a door to paradise. And remember that here, even if we are healthy, actually St John Christum says something wonderful and powerful. He says, St John Christum says, when you see someone who's been healthy all their life and they die abruptly, that's not good. It's like God has left them. We don't want that. The saints say the best is when someone before their death becomes sick, which gives them a chance to reflect, to think about their sins, gives them a chance to reconcile with those around them, ask forgiveness for others, to ask forgiveness from that person. And people say, no, 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 it's no good because the person's suffering, so we have to change the law and make it euthanasia. This is the new thing that the devil has now, this euthanasia, that no one's allowed to suffer. Suffering is all bad. 
But Christ himself showed us from his example that he suffered on the cross. And we have so many saints that suffered. So that's not really correct. Now you might ask, how do you endure but? If someone's got the most horrible sicknesses, those people who they give examples of, who they present to us on 60 Minutes and all those type of shows, they'll do more of that as time goes on. And they say, look how they're suffering, look how they're suffering. It's better if they die. If they want to die, let them. they should be given the right to die. That's them, because they're unbelievers. But the death of an of a orthodox Christian or a person with faith doesn't have that. Just like the martyrs endured suffering because they were given grace. For example, someone could have denied their faith during the Turkish times. A young boy, he was tricked, he became Muslim. When he grew up, he became guilty. He, then he went to Manathos repented and a lot of them became monks but while they were there they said I want to I want to die I want to die a martyr and the fathers will say you're young or you're not mature you might go back to the Turks and then they torture you and you might deny don't do that and they and they, they listened but then they kept on having that urge and at times some of the elders realized this was from God so what they did is they prepared the person spiritually to become stronger and then they would go back to where they denied Christ and the Orthodox faith and they would stand in front of the Muslims there and say that I believe in Christ and Muhammad is a fraud, etc., whatever they said. During that time, the Orthodox Christians of the area were serving Malebans, liturgies, so as to strengthen the person who was about to go through martyrdom. They also tried to commune. So Orthodox Christians or the priests sometimes would be allowed or he paid the, the, um, the, the Muslims there, paid the money, and he would come and try to commune the person to have Holy Communion before he went through the martyrdom so he can be strengthened. Now, let's take that to today. We, when someone suffers, they are suffering the same as what the martyrs suffered. Now, the saints say that very clearly. Just like the ancient martyrs would suffer, so a person with cancer or any other sickness that's suffering is a martyr. As long as they are not denying Christ, blaspheming, as long as they're saying that they remain glorifying God in their sickness. During the time of their sickness, they are partaking of Holy Communion often. They are anointed with the holy oil like we did today. They're given holy water and their loved ones continually have them commemorated during the divine services, during liturgy, as well as sending their names overseas so they can be commemorated daily for 40 days or, or as many days as it takes. At that time when those people are suffering, they receive strength to be able to endure. And that's why we see a lot of times they're very peaceful, even without much medication. 
while the others need a lot of medication to be out of it because they're not getting help. So that's what I wanted to say today for some things for you and for myself to reflect on. Let's work on our passions where God doesn't want. If we get sick, try to get healed. There's nothing wrong with that. And if God doesn't permit, because it's not good for us, then we have to accept and we use the church's grace to be able to endure the sickness and to know that even if we suffer 5, 10, 20, 30 years here, one day we're all going to die anyway. So at the end of the, at the, end of the um, thing is that to die repentant and to die in God's hands. That's what counts. Because the next life is forever. Let us not believe our own stupidity and that of the devil which says to us, his life. The life is here. The life is not here. Our life on earth is like a drop in the ocean in time. It's nothing. Insignificant. We're not here forever. We never will be here forever. The real life is in the next life. And whatever happens to us, all the sufferings we go through has one purpose. To be saved. I mean...